so excited to continue our series of pursue it's the word of the year that the lord has given us we are pursuing the lord we are pursuing god in a deeper level we're pursuing other things as well but we are really saying god we want to pursue you touch you be with you on a deeper level this year you know it wasn't too long ago that we got our first dog and uh i don't know about you but our dog was perfect I'm, I'm, when I say perfect, I'm almost, you, th- you think I'm exaggerating, but we got probably one of the best, best dogs. I mean, we, she, she comes and she, she won't go in the bathroom in the house. She'll tell you, she'll wait until, you'll be gone all day. She'll wait till you get home. Don't mess with a thing. You know, she doesn't bark unless somebody shows up. She doesn't know. I mean, she, she just so, so good, obeys everything you say, just really quick to obey. And then my, uh, my family thought we needed a second dog. But let me say this again. My son thought we needed, he needed a dog. But it's just kind of like, you know, grandparents. You know, your kids have kids, and then you get kids. So, you know, uh, my son decided to get a dog, and so the dog is really, you know, our dog. And so, anyway, one of the things, the difference was, you know, with our first dog, we could put out food for like two days, and she would eat what she wanted and what she needed, and then she'd leave it alone, come back when she was hungry. Now, our second dog, you can't do this. Put out enough food for two days and it's gone in five minutes. It's like the spirit of a teenager is inside of her. She she does she will not stop. She'll drink as much water, she'll eat as much, she will eat until she's sick. She will drink until she's sick because she always wants more. She's never satisfied. She always wants more. And you know, I'm the same way, and you're the same way. We always want more, don't we? We, we find out in life that uh, I can't just eat one chip. I eat the whole bag. Anybody else can suffer with me today say amen. I can't watch just one episode. I got to binge the whole series. Truth, true story. I, I, we can't just be satisfied with our house. We want a better house. I can't be satisfied with my car. I want a better car. Always looking online. I see an ad. Even when I ain't shopping, well, that might be a better house. Well, that might be a better car. We're, we're, we're always looking. Why? Because as the Rolling Stones once said, I can't get no what? Satisfaction. Isn't that so true? I mean, we, we get things that are temporary, satisfy us, and then before too long. I remember when we bought our house, I said, boy, this is more house than we'll ever need. God, thank you. You buy me this house, I'll never want another house. And that lasted for a couple of years. You know, why? Because we always seem to want more. I believe in our hearts that God has rooted that in us. It's in our DNA. There's something in our DNA that wants more, that we are never satisfied. The desire for more. Why? Because God has put this into our DNA because he wants you to desire more. More of God in your life, more of him, more purpose, more destiny, more communion with the Lord. And everything else is temporary and will only bring temporary satisfaction. But only Jesus brings permanent satisfaction. And see, we got to understand that. We got to tap into that. We're all wanting this more, but it will all leave us empty. Everything else is empty calories. Everything else will not sustain you, will not take you long term. Only Jesus. So today, 
I, I want to talk to you about the thought, pursue satisfaction. Pursue satisfaction. And can I be honest with you? I struggle with this title because I, I don't like being satisfied. I, I, there's something in me that likes to drive for more. There's something in me that always likes to push for better. It should be in us. We're driven. Even those who maybe aren't highly competitive people, such as people I know. <laughs> but you, there's always the strive for more. And so I don't like the word satisfaction, but I believe it's a place that the only place we can say that is in Jesus. That only he satisfies us. That only he. It's a place of pursuit of God is that you pursue that, you know what? My soul is satisfied with the Lord. He is what I'm looking for. Not enough. Listen, no more degrees are going to bring me any more satisfaction. No more higher salary. No more houses. No more cars. No more status quo. No more followers. Nothing else is going to bring me satisfaction. Only Jesus can bring me pure satisfaction. And when I learn that, my life begins to operate a little easier. I begin to become a little bit easier on myself. I don't, not as hard on myself. Because why? Because when I have Jesus, I, my soul is satisfied. Now, I may still have goals and I may still have dreams, but my soul is satisfied. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about a person who was probably one of the biggest influencers of his day. The Bible calls him the rich, young ruler. Incredible story. I love this story. We're going to dive into it today. But I want you to think of some of our young entrepreneur uh, influencers. They got thousands upon millions of followers and they, they got all the money they can spend and everybody knows who they are. And they're rich and they're young and they've got this status. And this man comes to Jesus. Let's pick up the story now in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit, let's say it together, eternal life? Look at that again. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This word eternal, it's something here that he was asking. And could I tell you that this young man had everything that money could buy. He had everything that money could buy in that day, everything that would bring him a, a prosperity, but he was still looking for more. There was something still more that was driving him. He was looking for more. See, because we understand something, those things bring temporary fulfillment, but they will leave you feeling empty if you are not grounded in the source who Jesus is in your life. Don't pursue riches, pursue Jesus and let him bring riches out of you. Come on now, let him bring the rich things of God out of you. Let him bring those things out of you. This man had everything that he wanted. He had status. He had clout. He had possessions, but yet he was still empty. He, when he asked this, thing, this meaning, I want eternal life. Now, we think of this as a timeline. He was saying, how do I live forever? And even though that would be true, it also, when you go back and study the original context of this definition, it doesn't mean eternal the way we see it as eternal. It was much more than just a timeline. He was asking, how do I find the meaning in life? He wanted to know, how do I find purpose and meaning in my life? I want eternal life. I want a life that's meaning and purposeful. It wasn't just a timeline of living forever. 
He wanted to know how he could have his purpose and identity. How can he do more? And Jesus is going to challenge him. Jesus is going to challenge him with a thought today that you can't give up more for God. Listen, when you give up things to God, God will always pay you back more. And Jesus comes back and really challenges him with this thought. Our spiritual journey, God will ask us to give up things. Every one of us here, God is going to ask us to give up things. There's certain things he asks every one of us to give up. And there's also individual things that he will come to us and say, you need to give this up. God, I want more of you. That's fine, but you need to give this up. You need to lay this down at the altar. You need to surrender this to me. Every one of us have different things in our lives that he's asking us to surrender. But what we got to understand with Jesus is this, the more I surrender, the more I get back. It's not a loss. It's not a loss. It's surrendering to him, and he's going to give me back more than I get. Listen, when I surrender to the Lord more, he gives me more joy. He's going to give me more peace. He's going to give me more love. He's going to give me more purpose. When I give up more, I receive more back. So pursuing satisfaction, what's it require? Number one, write this down. You got to learn to trade up the God's best. Trade up. Let's say that word together. Trade up the God's best. See, there's two types of people in the world. Those who like to fix things up. And those who like to trade things up. And usually you're married to each other. You got the one person who wants to fix the old thing and keep it going as long as possible. We'll, we'll fix this up. We'll buy this house and fix it up. Other people are like, no, we're just going to trade up. I don't want to mess with that. I just want to trade up and get the better value. I want to trade up and get the new thing. To find this happening, the rich young ruler, he didn't want to trade up. He wanted to fix up what he already had. Why? Because what he already had was really good. What he had was already valuable to him. And so he didn't want to trade that in. He wanted to fix what he already had. But what we got to understand is this, that God wants us to trade up. We trade our heart for his heart. We trade our life for his life. We trade our thoughts for his thoughts. We trade our love for his love. We trade our peace for his peace. Come on now, we trade up when it comes to God in our life. We trade up. God is wanting to give us something better, but you're hanging on to something good when God's got something better and he's got his best he's wanting to give to you. It's like that story of the necklace I told at Christmas time with a little girl. She didn't want to let go of those plastic pearls, but her dad had a real pearl necklace he was wanting to give her. See, we got to learn that God has got something better for us. Let's look at now, let's pick up the story in verse 18. It says this, why do you call me good? This is what Jesus answered him. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I love it that Jesus points out, why did you call me good? Nobody else has called me good. You called me good. Jesus first asked this. He goes, you know that only God is good. So who am I to you? That's what he's saying. Who, who am I to you? Am I just another teacher or am I the God? Am I the son of God? Do you recognize me as the son of God? You're calling me good and only God is good. Who am I to you? And then verse 19 and 20 says it like this. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. 
You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. The teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. Just like you, right? We've obeyed all these commands since we were really young. I obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. See, this young man was tied up in technical terms. I've obeyed. I've obeyed these things. But I want you to understand what the religious society of this day had was they were always looking for loopholes to follow the law. Kind of like me when I was, before I went to, old enough to go to school, one summer my, my older sister and her friends, we played all summer long with the kids in the neighborhood. And when they went back to school, they went back to school, I was left at home alone. The only kid left in the neighborhood without anybody to play with. All the moms said, aww. And so my dad said this. He said, Gene, he was heading to work. He goes, whatever you do, don't you cross the street. Stay out of the road. Don't cross the street. It was the rule. He'd just given it to me before he left to work because I had gone across the street and gotten in a little trouble. So he's like, stay out of the road. Don't cross the street. Basically, he was saying stay in the yard. But he didn't say stay in the yard. He said, don't cross the street. And so my mind began to go outside, and I was playing alone, and I could hear on the hill far away, I could hear the kids playing at recess at the schoolyard. And I began, to, in my young mind, I began to think about it. Well, if I go down this side of the block and make a left here and go back up the hill and back around, walk around, you know what? The school is actually on the same side of the road, and I can walk a mile up this road, and I can do it without ever crossing the street. And so at the age of about four or five, I walked to school by myself, and I didn't cross the street. And I walked out there, began to play with the kids, and when they went inside, I walked inside. And then they were like, whose kid is this? That's Shelly's brother. And they took me to the office, and they're like, Where? she come in there, what are you doing here in my school? Dad's going to be so mad at you. And they called my mom, and she come and got me. I've been looking for him everywhere. She's crying. Wait your dad gets home, young man. My dad walked in, and I knew I was in trouble. And the first thing I said to him was, Dad, I didn't cross the street. You see, this is the way this young man's heart was. He's like, yeah, I, I, I did the letter of the law. It's like... The Bible says don't murder, but I can do anything I can to run your life as long as I don't kill you. See, they, they were, he, was, he, was, he obeyed. He was following the letter of the law, but in their heart, they wouldn't follow in the intent of the law. Make sense? This is how he was. And so when he said, I've, I've obeyed, I've kept your commands, he's not saying I'm perfect. He's saying I've, I've, I've done this according to what you require. Dad, it crossed the street. See, this is his heart's in, in the wrong spot here. My gut tells me this young man probably didn't obey as much as he's leading on. Have you ever, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Our kids don't obey as much as they lead on. This young man, I'm sure, didn't, didn't obey every command as much as he's leading on. And Jesus is trying to teach this young man something he wants all of us to know that you can't buy or earn or fix your way up to eternal life. 
that purpose, finding your purpose in life, finding eternal salvation in Jesus, finding your place in God is not a fix-up problem. You can't fix your mess. I don't care how skilled you are. I don't care how much money you have. You cannot fix yourself. I was broken, and I needed somebody to put me back together again. I couldn't do it on my own, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. My life is forever changed. I've traded my old man for a new man. I've traded my old heart for a clean heart. I've traded my old reprobate mind for a new mind. God is renewing me. He is changing me. And I don't just come in and fix myself up. No, I trade my life for his. I trade my heart for his. It's a trade up. Only this will bring satisfaction in your life. We don't just fix up to a new life. We trade up to a new life. No matter what you try to accomplish in your life, it will always leave you wanting more. This is why Jesus said, woman, if you drink from my cup, you will never thirst again. You can do, you can keep looking. He goes, you've been in all these relationships. You keep looking from man to man from relation, and you'll never ever find what you're looking for until you taste of my cup. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So you can try. You can try to search the world. You can try to gain status. And all of that will bring temporary fulfillment. But only Jesus will truly satisfy you. Only Jesus can bring satisfaction. Now look at verse 21 and 22. Look what it says. It says this, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. Can you imagine? Like, dude, I got a lot. I've acquired all this and you want me to give it away to the poor and come follow you? And he went away. For he had many possessions. I love this because Jesus says, you want to follow me, you, you got you to get rid of some of this stuff. And I want you to get something I've, I've read this story hundreds and hundreds of times. And for whatever reason, sometimes certain things just pop out that you don't pop out before. And this word genuine love just really popped out to me this time. You know, get the attention. Jesus was not trying to trick this young man. Jesus wasn't trying to be mean to this young man. Jesus wasn't trying to do a bait and switch with him. He wasn't trying to be sarcastic with him. He wasn't trying to do anything other than help him find eternal life. He was trying to teach him something of a valuable life lesson about following Jesus. And he was not trying to be mean to him. See, he had a genuine love for him. And when you understand what that means, that means he really, really cared about him. And because he really cared about him, he addressed the tough issue in this man's life. He addressed the things that were hard for this man to really talk about. He really loved him. This man, young man had made an idol out of his things. This young man had made a status out of his things and possessions. He had become an idol to him. Jesus wanted him to know you have to put God on the throne of your life. That's what he was trying to teach him. This doesn't mean he didn't, he didn't say this because he wanted all of us to go sell everything we have and give it to the poor. 
Now, we know the Bible is very clear that Jesus and God values generosity. And we, we find that in here. But this was not the lesson. If you've ever had anybody teach on this to try to spark you to give, I'm telling you they're teaching it the wrong way. Because this was not about tithe and offering. That's a whole different message altogether. It does not have anything to do with this, with this sermon, with this story. What it had to do with this young man had made an idol of what he had. And he goes, I want to know what it means to truly follow you, Jesus. I want to know what it means to have true satisfaction in you, eternal life. And Jesus said, then take the things you're idling, give them away. He didn't even say give it to the church. He said give it to the poor. I mean, I love it because everybody thinks, well, he did, he, if he just said take that you have and give it to the church, and ah, see, see. He didn't even say that. He said take it and just go give it to the poor. And then come follow me. Why? Because he knew this man was idolizing his things. He knew this man was in love with his possessions. And so he was trying to really teach him something. What is it? Look at this statement. God wants to be the most valuable thing in your life. If you get nothing else today, get it this right now. He was trying to teach him and wanted us to learn through this, wanted his disciples to understand this, that God wants to be the most valuable thing in your life. If the most valuable thing in your life is not God, God wants you to lay that down. God wants you to put that at his feet. God wants you to surrender that. God wants you to do that. Listen, he doesn't want you to be more valuable about your team playing this weekend than you're excited about your team playing than you are about him. God, it's all right that those things, there's nothing wrong with those things, but I've got to be in a place where, God, I value you more. If I'm more worried about my things I have, if I'm more worried about my followers, if I'm more worried about my social media, if I'm more worried about my possessions, if I'm more worried about my bank account and status than I am him, it's, it's out of whack. It's not going to work. Jesus said, get rid of those things and come and follow me. See, God wants to be first in our life. That's the most and bottom line. He wants to be first. And then all those things can follow you. You put God first and see how he doesn't bless your life. What do you want more of in your life? When I ask you that question, what's your answer? What, what, what do you want more of in your life? I hope you say, I want more of God. Because then you know your heart's in the right spot. I want more of God. I want more of God in my life. I was talking to some friends this week. We were having lunch. And I was talking to them about, I'm not going to go in detail, but I've told the story before about how about five years ago, God changed my heart. And I woke up one night and told my wife, I said, I don't need to be the pastor of destiny. And she's like, why, why, what are you talking about? I said, I'm not resigning. I don't, I don't, I just, but I just want you to know, I don't need to be the pastor. And she goes, why? I said, because I just want you to know, as long as you and these kids here love me and I'm a child of God, that's the most valuable thing. And if something happens, I'm not the pastor of Destiny Church anymore or a pastor anywhere anymore, it's okay because I'm a child of God. It's all right. My value is not in a title. Yes, being a pastor is an honor, but my value is not in a title. My value is being a child of God. And I can go work with another man and I can help them because I'm still a child of God. I can do whatever God's called me to do. It's okay because I'm a child of God. Why was that important? Because I didn't know I was going to be walking through a pandemic and we would lose to shut the church down and people come back and we come back with a lot less people. 
thinking, man, where, where, what's going on? What's going to happen if my, all of my identity was wrapped up in being a pastor and not into a child of God, I would have panicked. I would have felt bad about myself. I would have left ministry. But because my, my, my title, listen, satisfaction is not in my title. My satisfaction is I am called of God. I am loved of God. I'm a child of God. There is where my satisfaction is. See, when I, when I give it up, I give more. I got more freedom I've ever had. I got more vision than I've ever had. I got more purpose than I ever have. You cannot give up more than God will give back. Look at that. You cannot give up more than God will give back to you. You got to understand this principle. You trade up. Yes, I trade my life. Yes, I surrender my life. Yes, I give up things that are valuable to me. But God always pays it back. God always gives it back. Pressed down, shaking together and running over in my life. Be willing to give up that relationship of God's calling you to do that. Listen, single ladies, I know you've been dating that guy. And you think he's the one. And everybody else knows he's not the one. But you keep thinking, hanging on. Oh, I can change him. I can change him. Come on. I can change him. I can change him. I can change him. You know, it's often been said that when we get married, that husbands marry their wives hoping they never change, and they always do. Just a fact. And wives marry their husbands hoping they can change them, and they never do. <laughs> and it's true. I can change him. Is there, is there someone, guys, telling you to give up? I'm telling you, when you won't give it up. See, God can't give you his best when you're hanging on to something that's less. All right, now. I will say it again. God can't give you his best when you're hanging on to something that's less. If God's calling you to let it go, let it go. If God's calling you to lay down, lay it down. I've got certain things I want to do, but what does God want you to do? That's where I'm learning to surrender my life. Getting out of debt requires us to give up things so I can experience more. It requires me to give up some things so I can get out of debt. Giving up, why? I give up to receive more. It's the principle we'll find all through Scripture. And as we get ready to close, write number two, write this down. Enjoy your reward. Look at verse 26 to 27. The disciples were astounded when then they look at the statement. Can you, can you imagine what they were thinking when they heard Jesus say this? Go sell all your stuff. Then they asked, who in the world can be saved? They asked, and Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. See, that's what we can understand. Yeah, it's impossible to us to, to be this place, but it's not impossible to God. I can't give up certain, you can with God's help. I can't do this. You can with God's grace. I can't. You can. It's the first time you take a step that way. God meets you there. Listen, God's math is not our math. When I give away to God, when I surrender to God my life, he gives me a better life. When I give to God what he's asking me to give up, he always gives me more. Listen, if you don't know this, God wants more than 10% of your life. He's looking for more than a tithe of your life. You got it all wrong. God wants all of my heart. He wants all of my mind. He wants all of my life. He wants my all. I know this feels impossible, but because of grace, it's possible. Because of grace, it's possible. 
Let me read this last scripture to you. Verse 28. Leave it to Peter to ask the question everybody else wants to know, right? Oh, Pete, we talked about him last week. He asked that question again. Then Peter begins to speak up. Hey, we've given up everything to follow you, Jesus. Remember me? I gave up the boat, the fishing crew, the commercial fishing business I had. I, I dropped them let nets and I came to follow you. Hey, we're giving up everything to follow you, he said. And Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up a house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the sake of the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and property along with persecution. See, everybody wants the first part and nobody wants the second part. I want that. I don't, I don't like the persecution. It comes with it. Just FYI, let's be honest. You give it up, you're going to get a lot of blessing, but you're also going to get some persecution. This just comes with it. Jesus said, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. I love this because he's telling us the principle that you just can't outgive God. You just can't do it. Whether it's your tithe and your offering, you cannot give God. Whether it's your time, you cannot give God. When it's giving up things he's asked you to give up, relationships, things, status, symbol, whatever. When you give it up to God, God will always give it back to you. God will always give you more. Our life is a trade up. I trade up my life to his. I don't fix up my life. I trade it up and then the Holy Spirit fixes me up where I need to be in Jesus' name. If you believe that, put your hands together. God, and shout amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your spirit today. Mm. God, what is the most valuable thing to us? Is that you? When we ask ourselves that question, if there's things competing in our heart for that answer, then you know that. I've been there. I can tell you there's many times I've had things competing for that top spot. And I have to do a heart check. That's what I'm asking you today. Do a heart check. Is there things competing for the most valuable spot in your life? This is why we've just come through this 21 days of fasting and prayer because we're putting God back at the top spot. We're learning, God, you know, you're the most valuable thing. You're one-on-one. As you have your heads bowed, if you're here say, Pastor, I need to put God back in the top spot. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian, but it simply means I've allowed other things to crowd out my time, my energy, my passion. And today I'm just feeling convicted. I need to put God back in the top spot, the most valuable thing. Raise your hand if that's you. Can you just let me see if that's you? Thank you. Well, raise your hand high. It's all right. Yeah, good. There you go. Thank you. I'm going to invite you to stand up on your feet. As you stand up on your feet this morning, can we just open our hands up to the Lord and say, God, take my life. I surrender my life to you now fully. I want to pray for you as you raise your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone in the room today that, God, you're allowing us to give up things in our life. May you be the most valuable thing. God, may we give up everything we have for you, God. God, may we learn that, God, we surrender our life. We trade up our life for you. We surrender it all to you today, God. Forgive us for putting things above you. And today we say, be first in our life, God. We surrender it all to you in Jesus' name.